You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we're still on this basic topic of stewarding transformational moments, really taking good care of um, the things that God is speaking to us. And I want to talk to you today and, and I think next week, too, it seems like we're not going to get through this, that's for sure. Uh, I want to talk to you about the discipline of stillness, the discipline that we need to build into our lives of getting quiet before the Lord. If, if we want to hear what God is saying to us on a consistent basis, we have to learn how to get quiet before the Lord how to get quiet internally. We'll talk about what all that means. There are several. We're going to look at four terms that the Bible uses to describe this whole process. But it is so essential. And I think more so now than any time in the past, we have more stuff coming at us than anybody has ever had before. It is so easy to have our minds continually filled with stuff, you know, with things we have to do, with things we're hearing, with things we're seeing, just images coming at us. I mean, it's, a, it's astounding how much of that stuff is coming at us. In fact, let me, let me pull these statistics up real quick here. Uh, people, you know, people study these things, and I'm just taking what they say as, a, as true. Um, they say that in an average day, Americans see 5,000 ads. This is just ads, okay? Just ads coming at us. 5,000, whether it's just, I think they include seeing a logo, seeing, sorry, you guys, I didn't mean to be a part of this. Uh, 5,000 ads, 5,000 images that are coming at us. And, and again, that's just in advertising, Okay, and then they say that we have anywhere from 50 to 70,000 thoughts pass through the mind every day. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. Okay, and and they and some of them that have researched this say, whoever them are, that without learning to discipline our thought life, up to 85% of our thoughts will tend to negative. They'll trend negative. And I was just talking to somebody, I don't remember who it was, the other day about how uh, so often we're confronted with something or, or you know, I remember what it was, and, or some event is going to come up, we're made aware of it. We immediately think, oh no, you know, what's going to go wrong with that? That person's not going to like me. That person's going to be critical of my work. You know, whatever it is, we, we trend Negative, that's human nature without God, okay? We should be able to build better habits than that. And, and one of the things we need to do is learn how to discipline our thought life. I mean, the scripture talks about that a lot. And we, and we do that through meditating on God's word, through spending time with him, through getting quiet before him and receiving what he has to say. I mean, this can be a very intentional process to where we are much more positive people than we used to be. And by positive, I mean thinking godly thoughts, seeing things from God's perspective. How many of you have discovered that God thinks about things completely differently than you do? I mean, he just does. 
And I want to see the world and see my life and see everything through his eyes. And that really is, the scripture says he's given us the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit. We really can train ourselves to take hold of the truth and what God is saying instead of just what comes out of the unrenewed part of our soul or our own habitual thinking or how we were raised or whatever. You know, we all have all these filters that we look at life through. We look at it through political filters, through all kinds of different filters in our lives. So so it's really important if, if we want to know on a continual basis what the Lord is saying to us so that we can be good stewards over what God's speaking to us at any given time in our lives. Well, if we want to do that, then we've got to learn this discipline of having quiet time before God. You know, I constantly am amazed. Um, and again, I know this is, I'm going to say this and some of you are going to go, yeah, that's me. Well, okay, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying we, we both grew up really enjoying the outdoors for the outdoors sake. I, I love getting up in the mountains. I love the quiet. I love listening, you know, to wind in the aspens or a stream or just the silence where all you're hearing is the electrics in your body running. You know, I mean, I, I love that. And it's so, I'm, I'm convinced, and I know some of you don't like this, but I, I'm convinced we're made for that. I'm convinced we need that quiet time. And it's always amazing to me to be out on a trailer, whatever, and, and uh, especially trying to come up behind somebody and go by them. And they're plugged in, you know? And I mean, there are times when I like to listen to music when I'm out doing something, listen to worship or listen to a podcast or something. But all I'm saying, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if that's what we're doing all the time, if we always have to be plugged in, honestly, we're, we are avoiding something. If we can't get quiet and put our heart before God, generally there's some reason for that. If we have to have that much constant noise, there's something. It might be a, a hurt, a pain that comes up when you get quiet. And, and get before God, it might be, you know, it could be a number of different things. Uh, but, but something is there when we always have to have noise. I really, I know we're not created for that from, from what the scripture tells us. So I want to read these verses from 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. I'm going to read them from the New International Version. And again, I'd encourage you to look at your own Bible, mark these things down so that you have them when you don't have a screen in front of you. Um, so this is the Lord talking to Elijah and he says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. I just find that in itself really interesting that, you know, the Lord didn't just, he, he said, go out, okay, leave the place and the position that you're in right now whatever that might be. He was in a cave, but go out and stand. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. It just seems interesting to me that he, he prompted Elijah to go out and stand in his presence. I mean, obviously he's speaking to him now, right? I mean, he's, he's <laughs> the Lord is saying, go out and stand. There's something about 
when the Lord tells us to do something like that, go to a certain place, take a certain posture, set aside a certain time, you know, any number of different things. When he says that, it's not because he can't come in the cave, okay? It's, you know, he'd have no problem getting in the cave. It's because that decision, first of all, that choice to do what God says, and that movement on our part, and I liken this when we have worship nights or, or any time, honestly, any time we're gathering for worship, you're always free to, to come up. If the Lord prompts you, come up and kneel down, come up and lay down, lift your hands. There are all these different outward actions that the Lord prompts us to do, and it's not for his sake. It's for our sake, and it releases something. There are these outward things that he has us do it, and it, it releases something in us so that we can receive. And I don't understand all that, but I absolutely have experienced it many, many, many times. Most of you have too. It's so important to just do what the Lord says and be where the Lord says to be. So he tells him, go out and stand in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind. So here's this big dramatic event happens, but God's not in it, all right? After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. You'd begin to wonder, am I really supposed to be out here? Uh, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper, many of your translations say a still small voice, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And the Lord started the conversation that he wanted to have with Elijah. The point of that is a lot of us were trained growing up to try and read circumstances to find out what God is saying to us. And while God is in the middle of our circumstances with us, and he will speak to us, in the middle of our circumstances. He is not found in the circumstances of life. He wants to speak to you. You don't, I think this is a great deal. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. All right. So at some point you just have to take that. All of us have to learn to hear his voice. It's, it's learning how to hear what the spirit is saying on the inside instead of just what our mind is saying or somebody else is saying, whatever. It's learning to listen to that inward voice of the Holy Spirit and recognize it. All of us have to go through that. But the starting place for that is recognizing Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Are you his sheep? Yep. Then you hear his voice. So be confident in it. Jesus said this, okay? He didn't lie to you about it. So, so the idea here is a lot of us were trained to kind of, we go through life, something happens. Maybe something difficult happens. Maybe Or uh, one of the worst ones is, you get sick in your body and you start asking God, what are you trying to teach me with this sickness? Instead of saying, I rebuke this sickness in the name of Jesus because it didn't come from God. Okay, God's there in the middle of it and he will give you the way to pray. He will give you uh, confidence. He will speak his words and his life to you. He'll, he's right there in the middle of it, but he's not communicating to you with something that is totally contrary to his nature. A disaster, a natural disaster happens. And some people look at that and say, well, see, that's God telling that nation 
that they need to repent or this and that. We live in the new covenant here, folks. Jesus paid for sin and he's engaged in trying to draw people to himself and have a relationship with them. We communicate with words and so does God. Read Genesis chapter one. God speaks. Jesus is his word. Jesus is his words. The Holy Spirit came to communicate to us. All right. So we need to realize, and this was with Elijah, this is Old Testament. And here are these three dramatic events that take place. And God is not in those. But when those pass by, what comes? A still, small voice. A gentle whisper. How interesting. I mean, have you ever seen a movie where God had a still, small voice? Have you ever seen, you know, if, you know, they remake the Old Testament stories, you know, God's never quiet. It's always the booming voice. And yet this says he spoke in a gentle whisper. Why? Because he wants us to listen. He wants us to be quiet. And, and there's stuff going by Elijah. And he stands ready to hear, but he recognizes He's not in any of this stuff. That's not him. He doesn't get drawn off. He waits till he hears that gentle whisper. And then in his case, because he's old covenant, he has to cover his face. And he comes out and God starts to deal with him through words, starts to speak to him. Okay. So, so this is, this is, it's important for us to realize that as dramatic outward events happen in our life, that's an important time to get quiet before the Lord and be able to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And so I want to go through these. We're just going to look at one or two of them today. These, there are four biblical terms, at least. We're going to look at these four that describe this whole thing. And, and the one term is be still. We're going to talk about what that means to be still this morning. The second one is quiet or quiet yourself. Quiet yourself before the Lord. All right, be still, quiet yourself. The third one is usually translated rest to us, rest. And, and the fourth one is called waiting, waiting upon the Lord. And each of those, they're related, but they all have a little bit different context about this. So let's look over at uh, Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. You guys, I mean, I'm sure you know this verse. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But it says, be still and know that I am God. Those two things are related. It's important to be still if we want to come to a place where we know that he is God. And this word know is the Hebrew word yada, which is, is uh, it's the counterpart of the New Testament Greek word, gnosko, that we talk about so often. It describes a relational, a deep, intimate, relational knowing. A deep, intimate, relational knowing. It's the word that was used of Adam and Eve coming together in intimacy, sexually. And it speaks of a husband and wife coming together in deepest intimacy. All right, so it is, a, it is this deep, relational and experiential knowledge of a person is different than just having a 
book learning knowledge of a person. It's experiential, it's personal, it's intimate, okay? And so it says, be still and know, be still and develop this relationship, that kind of relationship with the Lord. But being still is the first part of that. And here's what this means in this context, be still. There are some different uh, aspects to this word, but in this context, it means to relax, to cease and desist from agitation. Easier said than done, Lord. To let go, all right, to let something go. A lot of times we have to let something go to know God in the middle of whatever we're experiencing. This is good. It, it, you know, the Hebrew is a picture language. It's to lower the hands and cease from striving to perform or to get something accomplished, get something to change. It's to lower the hands. In other words, take your hands off of it. All right, whatever that situation is, if you want to know God's will, his voice, his, his purpose, his, uh, his instructions, what am I supposed to do next in this situation? Let it go. Take your hands off of it, okay? Um, to, to cease from striving to perform or striving to repair something on our own, all right? What this is not, however, is there, again, there is a, a religious, there is a doctrine that goes around that says it, it takes God's sovereignty, the fact that he has the right to manage things, to rule things, takes that to an extreme. And, and we come up with that little phrase that we love in Christianity, God is in control, okay? And so we think it's what's spiritual is to say God's in control, so I'm just leaving it all in his hands. I'm not doing anything. I'm not really seeking him. I'm just leaving it all in his hands. If God wants it to happen, it'll happen. If God doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. This may be the last time I see some of your faces because of this statement. That is a lie. That is not what the Bible says. We are not supposed to try and control everything ourselves, okay? We are not supposed to be out there just trying to make stuff happen in our lives. We are supposed to be yoked together with Jesus Christ and walking with him, pulling together with him in life, all right? So as we, and, and this statement that God is in control, if what you think that means is that he is in, he is in, he is controlling Every single thing that comes into my life, he is micromanaging everything on planet earth. That is not true. He called us into partnership with him. He gave us a prayer life. He set us here actually and told us to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. He actually said it the other way. And your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. He gave us it, it, the New Testament calls it keys. It means he gave us authority. He gave us, um, he gave us the right of 
admission. Keys get you into something, and they also define authority. If you have keys to a building, you've been given the authority to go into that building, and you've been given access to go into that building. Jesus taught that we were given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that we are to bind on earth what's already bound in heaven. That takes knowing what's already bound in heaven, and loose on earth what is already loosed in heaven. So we are here to partner with God. And there are loads of things. The scripture says it is not his will that a single person perish, and, but that all come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we know for a fact that is God's will and that is not happening on earth 100%. There are loads of things that happen in your life that were never God's will for you. They were never God's best for you, but that doesn't mean God's not there. God's right there. He has chosen in his sovereignty to set man in the earth to partner with him and to steward over this earth. And we blew it from the beginning, but Jesus came back, undid the works of the devil, made salvation available to us, sent his spirit to live in us, and gave us an assignment to go into all the world and and release the life of God into this world. So this idea, if that's, if that's been your paradigm, that, and, and by God is in control, honestly, for me, it just drives me nuts when Christians say that. Because God, and let me say this, this is really important. God is in authority. God is sovereign, 100%. He's just not exercising all of his sovereignty on earth. And he decided that in his sovereignty. He decided to do it this way. Don't ask me why, ask him, okay? I look at all of us and go, why did you decide to do it this way? He loves the partnership. He loves the fellowship. He didn't create us to be robots. That's just the way it is. So, and everybody knows that robots always go bad anyway. This This may be a sidebar, but this whole thing with all the autonomous stuff coming up, Have you not watched The Terminator? Have you not? (laughs) Anyway, anyway. Uh, So God, he is in authority, 100%. But he's chosen not to be in control of every single thing that goes goes on. So, So when we say be still and know that I am God, stillness, taking our hands off it, is taking our hands off it so that we're not focused on what we're trying to do so that we can hear what God tells us to do in the situation. Does that make sense to you? It's, it's not this passive, God's in control, so I'm not doing anything. It's not that. It's saying, all right, you know, I mean, what I see with the lowering your hands, I see step away from the situation, kid. You know, God just saying, step back, Take your hands off it, shut the mouth, and listen. That's what this be still is about. And in that place, he says you will know, you will come to this intimacy that he is God. That right there brings an awful lot of peace to our hearts. That right there brings a quieting to our hearts. You're God, I'm not. And I understand that in that, you're going to give me the next steps. I know that doesn't mean that I just sit here until I die and then I go to heaven. I understand. We're partners. But right now, I don't have a clue how to, how to, what to do with this thing. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to get quiet for you. I'm going, to, I'm going to make that time in my life to get quiet for you. Let's turn over, if you would, over to um, 
I don't have this one for you on the screen. Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37, verse 7. Here's another use of this word. I love this passage. Psalm 37, 7. Actually, I'm going to read this to you from the new amplified version. The one they just came. I love the way this. I love the way this says this. Um, it says, be still. This is verse 7. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him and entrust yourself to him. Okay, so we're waiting there before him and we're entrusting ourselves to him. That can take a little time, by the way. Do not fret, whine, or agonize. I just love that. Do not fret, whine, or agonize because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. This word fret and this psalm says a lot about fretting. It tells us not to do it over and over. It means to foam up. It, it's the picture of, a, of adding fuel to a fire on the inside of you and those flames licking up and getting hotter. It's the picture of what we do with anger a lot of times. We allow something to get under our skin. And in this case, it's talking all through this psalm about when other people do things, okay? They do bad things in life. And the answer to that is not our getting agitated and angry and caught up in it. And part of the reason for that, number one, the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Scripture tells us that. But also, it's really hard to hear from God and hear what you are supposed to do. Certainly impossible to carry his love and his heart and his peace into a situation when we're upset and angry. And there are lots of things out there to be upset and angry about. Loads of them. And, and, and so every day we're confronted with things. And this is saying, don't fret. And it says, don't agonize. Don't go through it and through it and through it in your mind. And don't whine. Don't, this, is one of the, this is one of the parts of this idea of be still. It does mean be quiet. It means, it, it means be quiet, be at peace, be, be still. And stop doing what you're doing. Stop pushing. Stop trying to just fix it on your own. You know, a lot of times we want to fix it and then talk to God about it. But, but this, you know, this scripture is telling us this is such a big deal. This idea of it actually, this word actually means to still the voice. Okay? So that would involve not talking to all our friends about the problem. There might be one or two that you know will pray and will correct you if you need it. Those are your friends, by the way. Those are the people that are your friends. Uh, and, and so you, you should have those people in your life, but just this, everybody that comes in contact with you hears about this thing, and, and it's not a godly conversation, you know? Everybody that comes in contact, this the, if we're going to be still, we got to be quiet. We used to have uh, a bus driver that when he got on the bus would tell us, sit down and shut up. That's how it was when I, when I grew up, okay? It was good advice. It was, it was really good advice, and it allowed him to, um, and, and God will probably be more polite than that with you. 
and he doesn't want to hurt your tender little feelings. But, but at the same time, I mean, that's kind of the message here. Stop. Be quiet. Stand still. Okay? There's also, and we're going to read this right here, there's an aspect of standing in confidence in this being still. Stand in confidence. Even though you can't see the solution right now, going to stand in confidence. Um, you go over to Exodus chapter 14 with me. We'll just look at a couple of verses here. Exodus 14. I love these verses. This is where Moses is bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. They leave with all the plunder and then Pharaoh wakes up and realizes, why did I let these people go? And he takes all of his armies and all of his chariots and all of this stuff and he starts to chase them down. And they are not a great army at this point. David is not on the scene yet. And, and, and they go and God actually, if you read through it, God actually moves them into a terrible tactical or strategic position. They are hemmed in. They are, they've, got, they've got lowlands on one side. They've got the sea on the other side. They've got nowhere to go. And, and the Lord leads them down there and then tells them to stand still. And watch what he does. And so Pharaoh comes and all of that was a part of the Lord. Uh, Pharaoh was hardening his heart, meaning he was being more and more stubborn that, you know what, I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. And, and all of that, God says, okay, here are my kids. They're in the worst possible position. You know, what are you going to do, big boy? You know, to, to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh comes down Adam, and so here they are. And it, and it reads along. I, didn't, I don't have all this. I'm just going to start in verse 13. But you read along, and, and all of a sudden, God says to Moses, there's no discussion of anybody crying out to God. And all of a sudden, God says, why are you crying out to me? So obviously, there was a lot of noise going on there, including Moses. But anyway, here in verse 13, it says, Moses told the people, Fear not, all right, that would be don't fret. Stand still, firm, confident, and undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. I love this. For the Egyptians, or we could just say the enemies, that you have seen today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace and remain at rest. This was their part in the battle. Hold your peace and remain at rest. Again, easier said than done, Lord. But God doesn't give us commands that we, we can't keep because he will, he will, his grace will empower us to stand still, to be firm, to be confident. The Lord will fight for you. you what you need to do is hold your peace and remain at rest. You see how important this is? There are times where we're supposed to go out and we've had times in our lives where the Lord gives us specific ways and prayers to pray and specific scriptures uh, to speak out over situations and to pray over situations and to pray into situations. And it's very active and it's very aggressive. And there are other times where he will tell us, hold your peace, stand, but you're not just hanging around the corner. You're, it's a confident stance. All right, it's a confident stance. 
And, and there's something, and Ephesians chapter 6 talks about this, tells us if we've done all to stand. In other words, our hearts are prepared. We've spent this time with God. We're filled with trust and confidence. If you've done all to stand, stand therefore. It says, and it goes into the spiritual armor. There's a big part of spiritual warfare that is about standing in faith and confidence before the Lord. That's not always that's not always a real active, loud posture. It is sometimes, but it's not always a real act. Sometimes it is just knowing that the devil's not big enough to undo what Jesus has said over your life, right? None of that will change what he said. We sang it this morning, right? So that's the picture here. This is a part of being still. This is a part of standing still. And I'm going to read verses 19 and 20 to you too, just because they're good. It says, and the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, and that is the Old Testament name. Most Bible scholars agree that's the Old Testament name for Jesus, all right? He was, he was the, the spokesman, the messenger of the Lord. It was, it was Jesus. It's very evident throughout the Old Testament that this is not just an angel, this is the angel of God who went before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. I love that. He led them down there. So they're following him. They're right at the sea. The enemy's coming from behind. And that pillar of fire, that cloud that had been leading them, they're there. You stand and hold your peace. And he moves around to become their rear guard and faces their enemies. That's a powerful picture right there. Sometimes we just need to meditate on those things just to build that confidence in our hearts. He went behind them. The pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. It was a cloud of darkness to the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to the Israelites. And the one host did not come near the other all that night. So it's just awesome. God is there. He's right there in the middle of whatever you're going through. A big part of what we need to do is learn how to be still. See, we've just got four minutes. We'll at least open. Let's just open this next one up. We won't finish it today. This term, quiet yourself. Okay. Quiet yourself. I want you to at least have this. We can come back to it next week. Um, we're looking at Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2. There are lots of places in the scripture that talk about this. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. I love the way it reads. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. Okay, so he has this internal, is willing to humble himself and depend on God. I'm not trusting in me. I'm not proud, not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. A lot of your translations say things that are too wonderful for me. All right, this phrase is used a couple of places in the Old Testament. It means, you know what? There are things we face. I think a lot of times this has to do with things we see in people that can really get on the inside. They can disappoint you in people. Things that we see can it can just be, I, I don't understand how, how people can respond that way or do this or do that. How can that be, Lord? It's too big. It is too wonderful for me in the sense that if I keep wondering about it, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get out. I'm going to lose my peace. I'm going to get fearful. 
I'm going to get agitated. I'm going to get something. Okay. If I keep focusing on this and the psalmist is saying, you know what? I'm not going to concern myself with matters that are too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, the psalmist says, I have calmed and quieted myself. So you notice he didn't say, okay, God, calm and quiet me. You come and do it. He said, no, I have, I have disciplined my flesh. I have taken authority over my soul. I have disciplined my thought life. I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Well, the, the picture in the Hebrew here is of a soul. Everybody know the soul is the mind, the emotions, and the will. We have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body, okay? The, the spirit, you're, if you've given your life to Jesus, your spirit is full of the Holy Spirit. Your soul is still in this process of transformation. The picture here is of a soul, a mind, emotions, and will that no longer throws a tantrum every time it has a need, okay? And that's what they mean by a weaned child, Okay. No longer just, okay, I'm, I'm hungry, Wah! you know, and, and that's all there is. I mean, it's, you know, that's all they know. It's all that, you know, it's a picture of growing up to where when we face something that's just, and we'd say, we've had this, this has been kind of funny for years. You know, we knew a pastor's wife at one time that used to say this when they were dealing with different things in counseling or in their congregation, and that it was just too crazy, she'd say, it's just too wonderful for me. And she'd keep her smile and she'd go on. And, and so, I mean, that's the attitude. Sometimes it's like, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this, but I don't have to. I'm not just going to start screaming. I'm not just going to start whining. I'm not going to start begging. I'm going to quiet my soul, spend time before you, and trust that you have the wisdom that I need to enter into this. Okay, we're just going to unhook right there. We'll come back to this next week. Did you get something out of this? I love this stuff. I need this stuff. I need this stuff bad. Let's stand up and pray today. So fasting is a wonderful time to learn to be still and quiet yourself. Okay, this is a, this is a great, very timely. God's pretty smart. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for what you've spoken to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that even this week, even today, Father, for some of us, Lord, that we would immediately, Lord, begin to recognize those areas where we quickly become agitated or we quickly get angry or fearful, fearful or resentful or whatever it might be that foams up on the inside of us, Lord, that instead we would choose to quiet ourselves and teach us, Holy Spirit, you're here to, you, Jesus said you'd come and instruct us and we trust you for that. Teach us how, Lord, to discipline our flesh, to take authority over our thoughts, to, to discipline our thoughts, to get into your presence and, and to continually expand the amount of time we're able to be quiet before you, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you for the conversations that we can have in quiet, Lord. I, I just thank you for all of that. And I pray, Father, that we as a, as a people, as a congregation, Lord, you'd be growing us in this so that we can hear more from you this year. Lord, we can have greater wisdom. We can have greater insight, good instruction from you. We just thank you for all of that. And as we enter into this week, I just ask you and thank you, Lord, for your 
instruction on how and when we should fast and pray. Just lead us, Lord. We just open our hearts to you. We give you this first part of our year and just ask you, Lord, for this time and this this week to be incredibly fruitful and meaningful. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And one thing I forgot to mention is then next Sunday night, we'll be having our first remedy worship night of the year. So we come through this fasting time and then have a wonderful worship night. So that'll be at six o'clock next Sunday night. All right. So we're going to be dismissed. There'll be a few of us up here to pray for you. I really encourage you to take advantage of that. Um, uh, Bonnie and Holly in particular are helping us uh, on our prayer team up here now. And and both of them are very anointed to pray. So I really encourage you to take advantage of that. If you have needs, come on up after service, and get some prayer. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin. The world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.